Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Soccer Not Football. Uh, I am your host, Della, as always, with uh, my co-host, Daniel. So we, as of this recording, um, the uh, we just had an update in the CONCACAF uh, Olympic qualifying. So uh, the semifinals were today, and um, we figured and we know who is going to be advancing to the um, to the final and who's going to be making it to the uh, Olympics. So I want to give a, you know, congratulations to um, Mexico and Honduras for making the uh, Olympics. And you'll notice that I didn't say the United States. Um, there's a very good reason why I didn't say United States. And I think I'll let um, Daniel explain a little bit further about that before I start cursing. So, yeah, we were we were hyping up this semifinal. Um, it's all about the semifinal to to get to the Olympics, winning you're in. And frankly, the United States didn't play well enough today. They didn't deserve to go through. They lost two to one to Honduras. Um, one of the goals, yeah, was a it was a cheap goal that Ochoa gave up right at the start of the second half. The goalie uh, was just messing around at the back and kicked it off one of the Honduras players and it went right into the goal, but that was their second goal. So that brought us down 2-0. And up to that point in the game, we weren't really playing. Um, they they weren't really creating chances out there. And then there was a little spark right after that. That Jackson Ewell um, hit a banger about five, six minutes later after that goal. It was a good response. You could see that fire in his eyes, maybe – Maybe they were going to come back and turn it around, but they just – they weren't good enough on today, uh, and the better team went through, Honduras. Um, if you look at the stats, we had 63% possession. They only had 37, but they had 14 shots compared to our eight, and they had six on target compared to our two. So they they were just better. And for the third Olympics in a row, the four out of the last five, the United States men will not be there. And um, it goes about saying that this is a really disappointing um, result. Um, and it's just, um, it's reminiscent of, you know, that night in uh, Trinidad, you know, even to, even down to the scoreline and the circumstances of the goals, you know, because those Honduras goals were ugly. <laughs> they were ugly. And the way um, we conceded was very, um, was just atrocious. Um, one, really the last minute of, um, of added time in the first half, and then one right after kickoff in the second half. So whatever momentum we had was just, was just take it out um, from, from the moment. And at that point, we were just chasing shadows. Um, and all credit to Honduras. Um, they, they, they executed their game plan to um, way better than um, we ever did. Um, and they definitely found a way to kill the clock and kill time. And, um, you know, they... Time was their friend, and um, it and it wasn't for us. And 
this was kind of a, you know, just an indictment of our performance in the tournament as a whole. Because, you know, not once I was fully convinced, you know, oh, we had the team to, you know, um, make it to make it past this tournament, you know. Um, we, we were holding our breath against like, oh, were we going to concede against the likes of Costa Rica and, um, and Panama and, um, and we, and it's, it's, it hurts. It's yeah, it yeah. hurts. It's not ever good to see, uh, your favorite team lose. And, and yeah, there, there's a lot of excuses you can make out there. You can say, this wasn't our best team. Um, the, the players that are out there are in preseason form, but those are all excuses. When it comes down to it, this is, there's no way around it. This is a failure. This is a failure by the players. Um, but I think more importantly, this is a failure of the coach and just the U.S. Soccer Federation in general. The yeah. fact that we can't get 20 Again. players out there to – to qualify for the Olympics is, is, is pretty ridiculous. Um, Jason Christ, who was the coach, he w- was a failure in MLS. The last two MLS jobs he had, he got fired from. And for some reason they, they put him and gave him the task of qualifying for the Olympics. And, and he fell up short. Um, this whole tournament, we've played pretty regressive soccer. We've played pretty defensive and just, Tried to tried to get by instead of trying to take the action to the other teams. Um, we've just been just trying to squeak by every way we can, and you could say that's maybe to do with the players that we have. We don't have our best players out there, and that's just a fact, you know. Just the the players that are out there, maybe three or four of them will eventually play for the the senior national team, but still, that we should be able to to beat a domestic based Honduras team in a, in a must win game. Um, if you, if you look at today's decisions, I thought our starting lineup was okay. That was probably, uh, our best starting lineup. You could maybe have argued a different midfielder in there, maybe Tessman in for Dotson because Dotson had a, had a little injury before the game, but in the dying moments of the game, he decides to take off an attacking winger and bring a defensive midfielder into the game. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like we need a goal. We don't need to, get possession we don't need uh to to connect more passes we need to find a goal so you bring off an attacking winger for a defensive midfielder just doesn't make any sense to me and at the end of the game um the coach coach uh christ said um you know at the end of the day you know you just you just lose more than you win and what what the hell kind of mentality is that as a as a coach in a game Interim result where you know this is literally your job. You're supposed to win these type of tournaments. Okay. And it's just a diamond. It just tells me that he did not get these guys ready to play. Even it does not matter if this was our A team or our B team or C team. Honduras. You know, all due respect to Honduras, but they're not exactly world beaters, okay? If you take a look at your squad, most of them play in in Honduras. Some, one in Chile, one plays in 
college here. This and the team that we have, we have a whole mix of people in MLS, people in Europe, people all over. They have experience. They've been in the national team for, for years. So this should have not been lost on them that this was a must-win game. And they needed to come out come out of the gate and um and and squand and just crush this team. Make sure that they did that they can't even think of a comeback. And apparently, you know, the Honduras players had that mentality and we did it. And I hope, you know, um, this will be uh, Chris's last game. But, you know, with this federation, um, you don't know. And it just seems that um, they didn't take this seriously. They didn't think it was important to the development, which I think was very crucial to player development. And I already see excuses for that. It's like, oh, it's just the Olympics. It's just, the, what do you think the Olympics is? It's a global tournament, all right? This is kind of, this is the, this is another version of the World Cup of having, being able to play against the best young players in the game. And half of our current team, half of our A team is under 23. McKinney, under 23. Pulisic, under 23. Adams, under 23. I can go on. And the fact that we had players, you know, wanting to get that opportunity, you know, like, oh, you know, if I had the chance, then definitely, yeah, I want to compete in the Olympics. Well, they don't get to have that chance because, you know, we can't depend on on our other players to get the job done. We can't depend on our leadership to get the job done. And make no mistake, this is a setback. It's not rock bottom as it was to as it was with Trinidad, but still it is another setback to the development of um of these of this of the of these players, this this talent that we're trying to harness to try to win in 2026. I want to win in 2022, but that doesn't seem to happen where if the best we can do is just play against our conf opponents. And even then, we keep struggling. It's tiring. It's tiring. It's yeah. It's very difficult to be a U.S. men's fan right now. Um, it's just a lot of a lot of losing, and losing is never fun. Um, you do have to give credit to Honduras. They they cockcaffed the shit out of us in that game. They were <laughs> they got their goals. They got their I don't want to say dirty goals, but they got their what's that? I don't got even the know goals. They and then every time they got touched. They fall. They fell to the floor. I think like, oh, they died, and then they got resurrected in like in a five minute period. They killed the game. They killed exactly. the game. They were they were professionals at it. They did a they did a great job of of getting a lead and just finding a way to hold on. And and no one on the U.S. team really did anything to to try to take it back from them, um, except for I'd say Jackson Ewell. He was out there. Definitely pinging passes, and he scored that that goal for us. And you could just you could just see that in his eyes after he scored. Um, you could also maybe say Jonathan Lewis a little bit, um, but he missed a big chance with about ten minutes to go. I don't know how he uh, he went to kick a ball forward and it ended up going backwards. But as a as a soccer nation, 
the, the United States, most people don't care about soccer except every four years during the World Cup um, and occasionally during the Olympics. But if you don't make the Olympics, then you don't get those eyeballs. People just see U.S. men fail to qualify for the Olympics and they're like, oh, well, our soccer team's crap again. They don't understand that this time. Yes, it is a little bit more nuanced. It's not it's not as bad as when we didn't qualify for the World Cup. You know, our best players are aren't here right now. But still, it's it's like you were saying, it's a global tournament. It's a chance to get more eyeballs on this team. It's a chance to just win. It's a chance to to go to a world stage and play against Brazil's and play against Germany and Spain and Argentina and Italy and and those types of countries. Because if if our players want to eventually beat those teams, they have to they have to learn how to beat them. You can't just you know you're not just gonna be able to show up and and beat them. You have to go through trial and error and, and beat them. So it is, it's a really big missed opportunity. No way, no way about that. Um, I don't really see a way forward for too many of these players. Um, Sam Vines, Jackson, Ewell, maybe Jesus Ferreira, um, Tanner Tessman's still young. He can maybe find a way through um, breakthrough. He did have a couple of good moments in the game today. He was, uh, he was, he's a center midfielder, but he was playing winger going forward. He was, he was doing our best attacking moments and David Ochoa just got to shout him out. He had a really tough moment today, but we wouldn't have been in this game if it wasn't for him. He saved us against Costa Rica and today he just had a blunder and that happens sometimes it's an inexcusable blunder, but you just hope he's not too down on himself and, and he can learn from it. Um, I hope, I hope people aren't out there, aren't giving him a bad time on Twitter or whatever. If you're doing that, you're a shitty person. Um, you don't need to hit someone when they're down. Exactly. No, no death threats over here. Right. And honestly, you know, this isn't on the players, you know, um, it's partly on the players, but not fully on the players. Yeah. I went, yeah. The blame isn't fully on the players, you know? Um, yes, they were there. You know, they couldn't get the result. But that's, you know, that's the fact that the coaching that they got. And, like, no. Um, and I know this hurts for them as well. Because for some of them, this may have been their best chance to showcase what they have for the national team. And for some, it didn't work out for them. Or some, their stock took a massive hit. Like Jonathan Lewis. Or or Sebastian Soto. And, you know, like you said, there's not much of an opportunity for these guys um, out because we're going to disband again, and then we're going to go through this whole cycle in 2024. And hopefully, and then, you know, the opportunity that we had with some of these players, you know, Pulisic is going to be um, – you know, we're going to – they're going to be past that 20, that 23 – uh, cap. So we'll know what players come out in the next four years and will they be better than um, what they, what we put out this, uh, this, um, this tournament. If you have a mediocre coach with mediocre talent, you get mediocre results. And that's, that's exactly what happened here. We didn't have the best players. We had a not good coach and, he wasn't able to to get them across the line when they needed to. 
Um, we've been hyping up the semifinal for so long. It's it's all about the semifinal. It's all about the semifinal. And that's what the coaching staff should have been hammering down into them. You know, this is the most important game. And it didn't look like that out there. Mm-hmm. It certainly didn't like, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, they didn't want it bad or, or they, they weren't trying out there. Of course they were trying, you know, I'm not trying to say they weren't trying, but it's just, it's just frustrating to see that, that first half, they, they didn't lack that. They lacked urgency. They, they looked like, you know, Oh, it's, it's just going to happen just because it's going to happen. There, there weren't the players out there trying to make the difference. It's funny because, you know, I felt that me and you had more urgency watching the game, you know, or like preparing for the game than, um, than the coaching staff or the players. Because we knew, you know, like there wasn't going to be any fallback plan. Like you had to win or, you're, or you weren't going to make it, you know, because you know, this is the only chance that they had. They didn't have that. Um, they didn't have the playoff this year. So it was like, when then you're in. And even a team like Honduras, we shouldn't have to feel so uneasy, you know, trying to be a team like Honduras or Canada. You know, we were talking earlier. It's like, oh, yeah, we, you know, I feel I feel good about this. But, you know, you, you never know. And, you know, that's just – and compared to Mexico, you know, I feel like we wouldn't have that problem because, you know, Mexico has a, a federation that actually cares about this tournament and cares about preparing for this tournament and – making sure that their players are ready to go. And, um, you know, Mexico play, Mexico fans, feel free to, you know, clown, uh, clown this team, you know, because it's, it's well, it's well deserved. Absolutely. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Um, they just got outplayed today. They, they got outplayed against Costa Rica and they got outplayed against Mexico. So three out of four teams outplayed them and they were lucky enough to win one of those games and and they still almost made it through. If they if they somehow managed to get a late goal, this game goes to extra time and you don't know what happens from there. And then the whole narrative changes. Um and maybe they would have been able to to win a final against Mexico and and everything's all peaches and roses, peaches and cream, whatever the sayings the saying is, but now it's just another, another bad moment. Um, even even in, when we lost to Trinidad, I, I felt like that could be a, a turning point for good, because people at some point have to realize, you know, something's got to change. If if we're not making the World Cup, something's got to change. If we're not making our third straight Olympics, something has got to change. Mm-hmm. Like there have got to be some some overhauls to to the way we prepare our youth teams, to the way we prepare our youth players, because even if this is our C team, they, they should still be able to, to make it through. These players should be good enough to, to find a way to make it through. Is there a bright spot out of all this? I mean, there's a bright spot outside of this. I wouldn't say, you know, cause we, you already said we have most of our best players playing with a national team. They played with the national team earlier in the day. In, in Belfast, Northern Ireland. That's where most of our best under 23, under 24 players were. Um, that's the bright spot. The bright spot about not making the Olympics, there's no bright spot about that. No. I, I guess the bright spot is getting rid of Jason Christ, the coach. 
that's the that's the only good thing. Hopefully they get rid of him. Hopefully he's gone by the time you're listening to this episode. I want that resignation letter ready to go. No, no, either. I just want him gone out the door. Bye bye. Never see your face again. And uh, yeah, well, that was uh, the CONCACAF Olympic tournament. Congratulations again to Mexico and Honduras. Uh, good luck on the final. And um, moving on, um, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, we had the men's national team play, um, like Daniel said. Um, we had games against uh, Jamaica and games against uh, Northern Ireland on uh, Thursday and, uh, and uh, Sunday. And uh, there were a lot more positives to take out from this Um and uh, we'll talk about some of those today. We'll start with the Jamaica game, if you will. Yeah. Um, the obvious first bright spot about this game, Serginho Des. Um, I was I watched this game on a tape recording. I was at, I was at work when they played live, so I watched it later in the day. And sometimes he just makes me laugh. I just I just laugh with Giddy just watching him out there. Um, there was a point where he was in his own half, like 20, 25 yards from goal. He's just doing roulettes and step overs to try to get away from two or three defenders. And then he gets away from them and then, and then plays a good pass forward. He just has this, this confidence, this arrogance on the ball. Um, he doesn't play like an American. And I say that as a compliment, like he plays, like he's a baller. He plays like, no one's going to stop me. I know what I'm doing. And, and more often than not, his, his skills work. It's effective. It's not just, you know, sauce without actual end product. He he does good things. He progresses the ball forward. And in this game, he scored a rocket. He scored his first national team goal from, from 25, 30 yards out. And and that got things going for the United States. Um, what, what, what other positives do you take away from that first Jamaica game? I would say um, is has been really staying his case uh, for the team, you know, trying to make a role for the team. And, you know, with players like Morris and uh, Ariel is still out of action or still, you know, rehabbing. Um, he's showing the case why, you know, like there, we need some more veteran leadership. We need some MLS leadership on the team. And, you know, always being in the right spot in the right time and getting more comfortable and more comfortable as the uh, – as in 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 his place on the team, and it's obvious that Bro Halter trusts him, and um, you know it's great for him to you know make his way back from his own you know career threatening injury, and still find a spot um, in the in the team as well. So I um, want to give him a shout out, um, and uh, another shout out for Nunes um, Musa. Um, who is officially capped out to the U.S., so, you know, no takebacks. And, um, <laughs> you know, he was very solid, you know, and, um, he, you know, we think we found out um, that third midfielder to compliment um, McKinney and, and Adams, um, who, you know, unfortunately weren't able to make it out. And, you know, looking forward to when we can get to see those that, that midfield together. Yeah, um, going back to Legette real quick, I think he's he's definitely a solid depth piece for us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
over World Cup qualifying, they're, they're going to be playing three games a window. So three games in like seven days or whatever. So you're going to need some some squad depth to rotate players. You can't just run Adams, McKinney, and Musa into the ground. And I feel pretty confident if Legette's out there against, maybe not against Mexico, but if he's out there against an El Salvador or uh, a Panama or Canada or some a team like that, like I definitely expect Legette to get the job done. He just puts competent, like, seven out of ten performances every time he's out there. Maybe he's not the best, but he's he's sneaky good on defense. He, he wins the ball a lot, and he just – he makes the right play more often than not, um, and he doesn't mess up too bad. And that's really – that's all I, they really need out there, just a person just to not mess up, not, you know, give turn the ball over to the other team and, and advance the ball forward. And then, as you said about Musa, he's – He's so good at winning the ball. Um, I saw uh, a highlight on Twitter, a highlight video, and he's just so good at winning the ball back. There's, there's balls in the air, or just bouncing balls, and he's just able to to ping it backwards to a teammate. Maybe it's not the dangerous like through ball to send a teammate in on goal, but at least you're able to keep possession, recycle, reset, and he he'll be key in calf. He's he's a really good kg player just meaning he's he's good on in those duels um i'd say one loser from that first jamaica game or just these friendlies in general was uh reggie cannon he did not look good against jamaica um kind of was at fault for that goal against jamaica um i guess we should mention we beat jamaica 4-1 and northern ireland 2-1 um cannon was at fault for that goal against jamaica just Looked kind of sloppy out there. Didn't look great. Um, and then in that in that second game against Northern Ireland, Brian Reynolds came in and looked good at right back uh, at Reggie Cannon's position. So we got a lot of right back depth. And yeah, I know it's just one game, so I don't want to be prisoner of the moment too much. But I think Cannon definitely has taken a step back in my eyes, at least. We'll see if he has taken a step back in Berhalter's eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do have a lot of uh, right back that, so it would be tough for Ken to, you know, um, break out of uh, break out that position Des is in right now. But you know, Des can also play left back, which we might need uh, considering what we have. Um, you know, we have uh, Sam Vines, um, who who is who is generally you know solid uh, during Cup qualifying, and we also have Robinson who played in the friendlies as well. Um, he was okay. Um, in the in the game against Northern Ireland, there was just some passes where he could, couldn't quite connect. Um, got exposed a couple times, but you know that's something that we we kind of expect from him time and time during these during these games, you know. And we know what we. I feel like we know what we'll get out of Robinson at this point. And at times, you know, it may not be enough, but. I, um, but it would be better to put Dest in the right, in the left, or put him in his natural position and have him, or put him in the left and like have him link up with Pulisic. You know, um, those are options that Burhalter has to use, and it may depend on the type of opponent that they might play. Um, but, um, you know, Robson didn't have the best opportunity to really command that left back position. Um, yeah. It's kind of a shame because Dest is our best right back and our best left back. 
It's too bad we can't clone him and play him at post positions. That would be insane if we could actually do that. Um, Another um, MLS player that disappointed me was Acosta. He just had a rough go of it, um, you know, misplacing passes, uh, slipping all over the place, ending attacks right before they started. Um, he came back for a while. Um, he was frozen out for uh, the for the majority of Burhalter's tenure, and now he's uh, getting back in. But you know, if he keeps performing like that, he'll be right back out. Um, yeah, yeah. I was kind of kind of just really disappointed with him today. He had a he had a solid game against Jamaica. I thought thought he played pretty well, um, filling in in that number six role for Tyler Adams. And today, he yeah he did a complete 180 and any stock that rose from the Jamaica game definitely fell today. Uh, when he was getting pressed, he was turning the ball over too much. He was doing the opposite of Willa Jet does and just getting pressed, turning the ball over in bad positions and to a better team, a better attacking team than Northern Ireland. We get punished for those a bunch. And he, he's lucky that those mistakes weren't uh, capitalized on today. Um, I will say, um, you know, it was definitely a confidence boost for both uh, Pulisic and Reina, two of our um, wingers, um, you know, who may have been having a sort of a rough go of it for in their respective seasons so far at this point, at this stage of uh, the season. And both of them got goals um, today. Um, Reina was a deflected shot, but still, you know, you shoot. Uh, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. And then Pulisic um, saw the, you know, not the best penalty, but still went in. And he c- controlled, and he was pr- really solid on these, uh, those two games. Um, slowly getting back into it and, like, getting more comfortable, you know. There were times when he was just, you know, doing all these spins and turns and, you know, showing flashes of, you know, why he – is the generational talent that, that we have. Yeah. Um, Reyna definitely needed this for, for his confidence. It's sometimes hard to forget that he's still 18 years old. So mm-hmm. he's still basically a kid out there just learning the game. And um, it's good that he can, he can still put in these types of performances. He's had a little rough game against Jamaica, missed a couple really good chances that I feel like if he was in form, he would have put away, but, he bounced back today, and he, he didn't play that bad against Jamaica. It was just those those couple moments that he he lacked those uh, decisive qualities. And and Pulisic is I'm glad that we got to see him these last two games because he he reminded me that he's definitely our best attacking player, and it's it's not even particularly close. Um, I don't know if I've just been paying attention to it recently, or he's just added this element to his game. But his passing is fantastic. The way he's able to slip in his teammates with those through balls, or just or just find a teammate twenty five yards away and put it right on a dime, he's fantastic at that. He's a great distributor. Um, he's not just a, a winger who runs with the ball at his feet. He can actually pass and distribute and be a playmaker and and really lead this team. You know, we need someone to to step up and be that goal scorer, that goal scoring threat, and he's definitely that for us. So hopefully he can he can bring that back to Chelsea a little bit and and prove that with uh, with them the rest of the season. And speaking of goal scoring debt, um, same seems like we have some debt in the striker um, department. 
Um, we had uh, Sargent start the first game. Um, he got a nice assist over there. Um, we also had uh, Subachu make his the debut um, that last game as well, and then a start um, today. And then we had DK make an appearance as well. I think all of them, you know, were, were really were generally solid. Um, I think DK impressed me a lot more. Um, none of our strikers actually scored, which, you know, isn't, isn't great. But um, they all got chances, you know, to uh, create something and um, really help create a goal, which, um, which is a positive. And I just love how, you know, I think it just uses his body to, you know, that's his biggest strength. And there's not a player that we have who's who ha, who's like him, you know, ha, being being built like him, and just being able to bulldoze, you know, the defense, and you know, use his strength and use his um, use his ability to uh, to score. He had three great choice. He had three great chances, and you know, all of them like showcased his ability to like, use his body um, to score. And, you know, that's how um, his team, Barnsley, are progressing up um, to the promotion playoffs, um, why he is getting so much attention right now. And, um, you know, really feeling like, you know, we might have a Zion on, on our team. And, you know, Zion, he's just a beast. And he can definitely be a beast uh, with with us. Um I feel like Sargent, you know, still has a hold on the number nine, but I feel like it could be interchangeable at this point. I think my biggest takeaway from these two games was just our depth at, at multiple positions is, is something we haven't had in a while. Um, we made we made a substitution in the 60th minute today or around then, and we brought on DK, Aronson, and Chris Richards. And that was like – I I, sell, I was celebrating that like it was a goal. I was just like, hell yeah, we got these three boys coming on. This is this is freaking sick. Like, Aaron Aronson really impressed me in that Jamaica game. Um, he scored a goal. Should have had an assist. Um, I had a, I had a dream the night before that Aronson scored. I was like, I I should have tweeted that. I would have, I would have been like Nostradamus. But he's, <laughs> he's really impressed me. Um, playing more out in the wing uh, definitely suits him. He's not really a central midfielder, so I think playing him out on the wing and being – he's like our fourth winger, if you think about it, because we got Reyna, Pulisic. I'd put Tim – I'd put Tim Wea in the starting lineup over Reyna. But yeah. then we got Aronson at number four. That's pretty That's pretty solid depth. If Aronson's a super sub and, and woke up qualifying, like, I'm really okay with that. That's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. If, if this was four years ago – and and we had Pulisic and Aronson coming up together. We'd be hyping them hyping them up at the same level. Um, I I think that just shows like the levels that our our team our senior team has has got to. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, exactly. And you know the performances overall weren't you know they weren't like you know amazing. You know, um, the Jamaica game, it was too close to comfort before Legit, um, you know, um, buried it. And then um, it was a kind of very, it was kind of nervy uh, last couple minutes against Northern Ireland. Um, when they scored, you know, it was, a, it was a great goal from a great angle. And, you know, um, I'm glad that we passed those, those tests. That win against Northern Ireland was our first win 
against European competition at their home turf in about six years. And six years is a, you know, it's a long ass time. And um, we have other competition coming up in, uh, in the friendlies. I think we are going to play um, Switzerland, Switzerland and France. That may not be confirmed, but we're definitely going to be playing Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, moving on, we're going to be having um, the CONCACAF Nations League. We're going to have the Gold Cup. And then come September, we're going to kick off, you know, three straight games of World Cup qualifying. The campaign officially begins now. Just want to shout out uh, Luca De La Torre. He got like 20, 25-minute cameos in both games. But he was – I mean, I'm not going to say I've watched Heracles games in the in the Dutch first division a bunch, but I've seen a little tape on him. But he he really impressed me, just his ability to drive the ball forward and, and pull some strings and pass the ball, set up his teammates. There was there was a couple times out there where I thought it was Pulisic who was doing that because they're about the same height. They got the, the same – uh, haircut or whatever, and I was like, "Is that Pulisic?" I was like, "No, that's that's De La Torre, and that's just another depth piece for us. Um, if he if he can, you know, fill in for for a game or fill in for a half, like I'm, I know it's just been two appearances, but I feel like I'm a little more okay with that. I would I would much rather prefer him than than Acosta. I think he could definitely do a job, um, and. And that's what we're going to need for, especially for World Cup qualifying. We're going to need some death pieces. It's going to need to be a strength in numbers type mentality. Guess who we're playing in the Nations League in the Nations League semifinal? You know which team we're playing? It's in Mexico. Please don't tell no, me. No, it's not Mexico. It's Honduras. So if the senior team wants to get some a little revenge against uh, Honduras, they will have that opportunity. And I think that's that's more of the litmus test is how how the senior team does. If they fail to beat Honduras, that would be not a worse failure, but that would be a much bigger red flag for me than, than us not making the Olympics. You're right. Yeah. We, so, you know, some, um, yeah, the Olympics, you know, at the end of the day, we are, we still have a national team to focus on and we still have competitions to compete in. And um, as much as it would have helped for the development, um, you know, there are still opportunities um, with clubs and with other international competitions um, that we are going to participate in. And uh, we can't dwell too much on it because soccer just keeps the game and just keeps moving. And we got to keep moving as well. And we're going to cover every bit of that Um come these next couple months yeah everything on this show can't be doom and gloom today so let's Mm -hmm. get let's get a little more positive let's let's go through five players that we're really excited to see this these last two months of the season five players they could play in europe they could they could play in mls but give me a couple give me your fifth player on who you're, you're most excited to see um these last couple months maybe not fifth best player but just just someone you you want to see more of, someone you're excited to see. I am actually excited to see um, Daryl DK. Um, the guy's been on my radar for for a while, and um, 
it's going to be interesting how he has this, uh, he keeps up this momentum he has right now and uh, see if he can power the team, his team to the promotion playoffs. If it does, then it'll ultimately boost his stock. And there's already talk about him, um, you know, from Premier League teams, which is uh, just crazy to think, you know, considering where he was at now, you know, being uh, being the fourth string in Orlando City to, you know, um, maybe making the Premier League move. And, um, you know, I think the rest of the season is going to show, you know, um, the, the crunch time and how he uh, responds to it and where his value might be at the end of the season. Man, I wish I could have made my list longer because I definitely have him on my list. But there's just there's so many guys I'm excited about that he didn't quite make it. But I'm definitely I definitely feel you on DK. He definitely has a big opportunity in, in front of him. Um, I, I'm excited to see more of Aronson. I I know it's easy to say that he just went to Europe, so he's he's now become a better player. But I honestly like think he kind of has just the the way he plays now at RB Salzburg under Jesse Marsh um, just the intensity that he runs with now. I feel like it's just, he's just reached another level, just another level of intensity, another level of intelligence. Um, when he's, when he gets the ball, he doesn't look to dwell uh, on it and pass the ball sideways. He looks to go forward. He's just, he's just trying to get it and go get it to the next guy in front of him. And, and that's exciting to see, you know, we don't really have too many of those types of players that are that are progressive like that that are trying to to move the game forward so he still needs to get better at, at providing goals and assists because he does a lot of the dirty work but if you're playing winger you need to contribute some some goals and assists and, and like i said he's probably our our fourth option so um he's not going to be ex- expected to start but you know if pulisic gets hurt if way gets hurt those guys are kind of injury prone if he could fill in one of those positions That'd be freaking sick. That'd be dope if if we have him there. So I think I want to see him continue to progress and and continue to to reach that next level. Yeah, I, um, I'm gonna go to someone who didn't make the camp. I would say uh, Mark McKenzie. Um, I'm in, definitely interested in how he um, performs, and um, I think you know um, he definitely will be a great option for starting back as well uh, behind. Brooks and Miaska, and you know, with Ryan Feldman, might even replace Miaska. Um, and uh, right now he's at Genk um, with um, at Belgium, and um, typically doesn't have the most um, does have a lot of appearances at the moment. But you know, the CB keeps getting the opportunity, and um, see where he goes. That's a great shout. I, that's something we forgot to talk about in the loser section. Why did we start Tim Ream today? I don't understand why we're starting Tim Ream in a friendly or or even Matt Miazga. Like, we've seen enough of those two guys. Miazga is okay, but Tim Ream, come on, man. Why why are we playing Tim Ream? It's, <laughs> it's a friendly. It, you know, you got to see how these other guys uh, actually play. He's not going to be part of the qualifying process. At least, at least I hope he's not. Um but I digress. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see Serginho Dest, just, just watching him play out there. Um, he's found a goal-scoring form as of late, and I, I want to see if that's an aberration or, or if that's actually a player he's turning into. Is he actually going to have that swag and that, 
that razzle dazzle and produce stuff, or is it just going to be all for naught? So I'm setting an over under on two and a half goals for him for the rest of the season. And I think he can get to three. I think, I think three is a, is a good solid target for him. Um, and we'll see if he can do that. I will also want to give another shout out to um, Sergeant. Um, he's been regularly starting for Wonder Bremen. And I think, you know, um, right now, like I said, the number nine position is still up for grabs to the point like, hey, psh, Josie Altonor might make an appearance time and time. Um, and uh, just seeing, you know, will he take that chance and um, really perform with his club and get the and have less of those, like, you know, like these like kind of streaky goals and more something that's consistent. And um, uh, yeah, he definitely, you know, helped his case with an assist. Um, definitely had a chance to score himself uh, during the J- Jamaica game. Um and um you know that was a that's another encouraging um performance from him and hopefully you know he can translate that uh, for the rest of the season yeah i actually had sergeant number one on my list on, on most excited guys mm-hmm. uh that i'm want to see the rest of the season just because like you said i think i i mean i think he's our starting nine and i think he's actually starting to to prove that on the field just he does everything else besides score the goal like he's he's our best player and hold a play he's our best player in Lincoln play um you you saw that assist he had against Jamaica that was that was some nice yeah some nice moves out there I don't know if there's another striker in our pool that could do that like I don't Sardis. I like the, <laughs> say? oh I was saying uh Sardis but you know. oh yeah no I don't think Zardes is going to be able to do that I don't think DK is going to be able to do that I don't think Sibachu can do that or Josie Altador they're those guys can't do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to see him be a little more clinical in front of goal, you know, put some, some more chances away. He's got nine, maybe 10 games the rest of the season, depending on if they, they win their uh, Pokal match, their German cup match. And I want to see him, you know, score a goal every other game, see if he can finish out the season with four or five more goals. I think that would be a real big step for him to planting his, his name on the number nine for the u.s and then um i also had um tim weah um who unfortunately couldn't make it um due to just like con uh covid um guidelines and everything but this is going to be a very important um stress for him his team uh, leo is um had dropped points against uh um their team and right now they're behind psg um and it's going to be a fierce League One battle. He may be able to, you know, pull out the win and um, and 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 beat PSG and get that title. And um, you know, for him from you know starting out from the bench to him being a becoming a regular starter this season um, has been such a great um, great thing to see. Um, and you can definitely see him getting more and more confident each game. What a story that would be if he he plays a big part of beating the team that that transferred him away. That would be that. I'm sure that would feel good for him to to be a reason why PSG doesn't win the title. 
Um, no, uh, number three on my list, I had Pulisic. Just just watching him out there, watching him be healthy. Um, it's it's amazing that that we have him out there. Um, can he stay healthy the rest of the season? I think that's number one, most important. He's not playing the most of games right now, but when he's out there, can he still be confident and productive? He's obviously good at dribbling. He proved that in the FA Cup uh, match right before this. He proved that in these two games, that he's still he's still a good dribbler with the ball. He's still a good passer with the ball, but can he be decisive in the moments he gets for Chelsea? Because that's going to be a, a grudge match until the end of the season, um, and he's going to need to maybe provide when he's not playing that much. Can he can he seize that opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um, and if he can't, maybe he needs to to look for a move this summer. But he needs to try to get there and and prove his worth with Chelsea before looking for outside opportunities. Yeah, I also have Pulisic on my list as well. Um, there's still a lot for Chelsea to contend for for the for the rest of the season, and obviously Pulisic will still get his opportunities um, whenever they, whether that be off the bench or whenever he starts. Um, he ended. Uh, he ended up going into the break on a really high note, winning man the match against um, um, Leicester. No, it wasn't Leicester. Sheffield. Sheffield, right. I'm forgetting my own team. But um, it's been a tough day. It's okay. <laughs> but really uh, showing his, uh, you know, showing why uh, Chelsea put out 50 million on him and, you know, really showing, you know, some flashes of, um, like I said, the generational talent uh, that, you know, he can be. And um, seeing how he uh, handles some of the adversity that he might face, um, some of the challenges that he's been facing um, since uh, Tuchel has arrived, and um, really showing his, uh, you know, really making his claim. We already know that he practically U.S. royalty, but now, you know, how far can his ceiling go? That's how much we need to uh, look for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the last player I got on my list, uh, second most excited to watch is Chris Richards. Um, I was disappointed that he didn't get a start in either game uh, this weekend. He did play about 80 minutes or so over the two games, but Berhalter still giving starts to, to Reem and Long and Miazga over him. Um, and I don't really know what he – else he has to prove like he's already had several good competent Bundesliga appearances um and I guess he just has to continue doing that the rest of the season um it's not like those guys are are the strong point of the team definitely not Reem and definitely not Miazga or Long in this game those guys were struggling in possession Long got caught out a couple times was lucky not to to concede a goal um and I think Richards is he's a really good 1v1 defender. If he's faced up with another guy, they almost never get in behind him. Um, he just he just guards like he's a small forward in basketball or whatever, and he, he doesn't let them get to the rim, get to the goal. And I think if he keeps starting for Hoffenheim and keeps putting in good performances, good shifts, I think I, – I mean, I already have him – I'm not the coach, but I would have him out there if we had a World Cup qualifying game tomorrow. And I think if he continues the rest of the season playing this way, that he he will be uh, come next next season. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he earns a place at Bayern or if he finds another loan somewhere or Bayern transfers him somewhere if teams come, come paying for him. And I think I'll end it off. I think my top player, um, and I feel like it may be your top player as well, um, another player who wasn't able to make the the camp, Um, obviously Weston McKinney. um, And he's been by and far one of Juventus' best players of the season. And um, definitely, you know, I'm glad that he's been getting way more exposure than he ever did at um, Schalke. Chaka, um, and being able to play with the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and, you know, playing it with a team of Juventus' stature. And, you know, after that Champions League uh, exit, you know, and, um, you know, there's position in Serie A, um, there's a lot of work for, for Juventus to do. And it depends on and seeing how far they go, you know, this season and beyond, you know, will definitely test to show how well um, how well McKinney can play. So I'm definitely um, excited to see that. And, um, you know, he can prove to be one of the, you know, cornerstones of the team for, for years to come. I, I saw a stat um, where in games he started, they have like a 70% winning percentage and games he doesn't start they drop to like 50. So that doesn't tell the whole story. That doesn't tell the strength of the opponent or anything like that. But McKinney is really important to that team. And um, we definitely missed we missed him over these two games, these two friendlies. Um, just, just being able to see him um, and build chemistry with the team. Uh, him, Adams, and Pulisic have still only gotten like 73 minutes together on the field. So we still have never seen – probably our three best guys out in the field together. Um, but that might happen over a World Cup qualifying window. You know, a guy might pick up an ankle sprain or he might hurt his hip and might have to miss two or three games. And um, I think the biggest takeaway from from these friendlies and, and on our list is that we have some depth and we have some guys who can fill in. No, it's not endless. We're not, we're not, you know, France or Spain or Germany over here with just miles and miles of talent. But we have some guys who can definitely fill in and do a job. And if we don't finish top two in CONCACAF, I think that would be pretty disappointing. Um, we're definitely, if not better than Mexico, we're right up there with them. Um, Mexico just lost to Wales yesterday, one nothing. was just a friendly. But we played male, Wales uh, a couple months ago and we drew. So, you know, doesn't tell the whole story, but it tells you that it's not like Mexico world beaters, you know, they're beatable. And I think we definitely have the talent to, to take them over. They just got to find a way to, to play together and, and build that cohesion. Exactly. Like you said, there's a lot to look forward to, um, even during the bad days. Um, always looking up. Um, and I think I want to end it in today's podcast with uh, what Daniel said to me, you know, um. Yes, you know today's results suck, but like I said, like you, um, but life goes on. It's not the end of the world, and we still got a lot to look forward to. And I am happy to you know uncover what we have going on um with you. So 
Absolutely. We'll, you know, if you're a U.S. men's soccer fan, there's going to be plenty of dark days, but we're hopeful that sometime in the near future, hopefully the soon near future that we'll be having some, some good days. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm confident that this group of te- this group of guys will, will be slightly different and can make some noise in the, in the coming years. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you as always for joining us. This is Della signing off. Um, and thank you for Daniel as well. Um, this has been soccer, not football. Take care. We won't be seeing you at the Olympics, but we still love you. Mm-hmm. We'll be right on the t- we'll be right on the TV, you know, cheering. Who we want to cheer on? Honduras or, or Mexico? Oh, we're not. I don't care about the men's tournament. We're we're going oh, all in on our women, bro. Uh, the, the women, the women are going to be the first uh, team to win a World Cup and an Olympics in back to back cycles. So they they two peated at the World Cup and they're going to get it done at this next Olympics. Right. I- you know what? I'm not. I'm not even mad anymore. Exactly. We got the women's team. USWT and USWNT gang over here. Okay. And uh, yeah, this is a sign off. And you know, looking forward for the women to do some damage as always. So yeah, take care. Peace. Peace.